Blog Talk Radio. From Studio 111 uh, via Radio Saigon, simulcast across the country on Blog Talk Radio, and later on BFLOW360.com, this is Fanatic Radio. <laughs> I'm your host, Mike Gardner, fighting through technical difficulties this uh, this afternoon, but luckily we fixed them, and join with me is my partner in crime, the creator of BFLOW360, the notorious Ben Florence. Oh, why, hello there, sir. Sorry about that. Once again, we apologize for um, any technical difficulties that happened uh, at the start of the show. Uh, our studio had been commandeered, and we luckily won it back like the uh, the Battle of the Bulge. And we're here this afternoon on uh, May the 2nd. Only a few more days left for us of school. And for you of school for all time. Exactly, because I graduate a week from Saturday. But we have a great show for you on hand. We'll be talking with Melissa Hopper from the New York Times on the Kentucky Derby. She'll be live from Churchill Downs. And we have the uh, further updates on the NBA playoffs, including the Donald Sterling case. Troy Brewer from American University men's basketball team and alum will join us in the second half of our show. But we begin with the uh, the Kentucky Derby. The uh, running of the roses flow, very special time for us. Absolutely. As we are avid horse fans. Yes. Which um, later we'll give our predictions, but uh, what makes the, uh, the Kentucky Derby the 140th this year? That's right. What makes it so special in the hearts and minds of America? Well, it's interesting, you know. All, I always enjoy all like the pre uh, pre race coverage because there's all this pomp and circumstance, and it's wild. There's like several hours of pre race coverage for something that takes like two minutes. And, but it's just all the, you know, you got the hats and all the people dressed to the nines or the nine and a halves. Uh, you got, a, you know, betting and all that. People just love, because it's almost like a throwback to yesteryear of, uh, you know, almost like the Gilded Age, if you will. And it's just uh, definitely some, because it's one of the few events that, sporting events that actively involves gambling and betting. And thus, the betting for horse races uh, in general is a pretty, still a pretty big industry. For the Kentucky Derby, it's a, it's a huge deal. You got the 140th running from Churchill Downs this Saturday, and I'm excited. You're excited. We're all excited. Well, we see a triple uh, a tri- run for the triple crown 
begin past last year there was not but then a few years past we have indeed see a horse try to make it all the way to the uh, the Belmont Stakes and fail why mm-hmm. is it so hard well i think it's because you have three uh, courses that are different they're different lengths uh and they're also different speeds also other factors are weather and it's also really hard for horses to go out and win three times like that in a row when you have all the other horses that are gunning hard to do it. It's almost like going undefeated in, uh, like, the NFL season. Like, it's so hard to do, except, well, this is obviously a little different because you have to win three times to win the Triple Crown. But even so, uh, we've seen, has it happened in, uh, who was the last one to do it? It's the uh, 70s, wasn't it? Wasn't it um, Secretariat? Uh, I, I don't think it was trip, uh, Secretariat. It was hmm. last one we get. Uh, what I thought was uh, affirmed in 1978. That was actually a back-to-back uh, triple crown year. You had Seattle Slough winning the year before. So who you got this year? Any big players, big horse racers, uh, billionaires investing horses? Has the, uh, right. the uh, Sultan of Brunei entered a horse this year? That's right. Um, the biggest, the, the the top favorite right now. Is uh, I haven't seen the latest odds, but at least the odds as of yesterday is uh, California Chrome. Uh, as of yesterday, are going at five to two odds, and it is the favorite. And the reason why California Chrome is the favorite is that it is undefeated in its races this year. And when it was last race at Santa Anita Park in California, it was dominant. It won by a significant margin. The only concern will. A only five times in the last like thirty years have the uh have the um uh yeah, only five times overall has the history has the uh, the morning line favorite gone on to win the race. And uh California Chrome has not run out of the state of California yet. So but that is definitely a cult that has got all eyes on it coming into the Saturday. Is that your favorite? Uh, yeah, I actually picked them. Uh, how about that? And uh, and uh, it was interesting. Immediately when I posted that on my Facebook uh, page, a friend of mine that goes to school at uh, Missouri, uh, he uh like, wow, you went with a favorite. But, hey, sometimes playing it safe could also be playing a little bold at the same time. So I think California Chrome's going to win. All right. Uh, we'll go to the phones as we'll uh, chat with our weekly conversation. She's Melissa Hoppert of the New York Times and Churchill Downs covering the 140th Kentucky Derby, the first leg of the prestigious Triple Crown. She joins us here on Fanatic Radio. Thank you once again for taking the time to join us here on the show. No problem. Thank you for having me. Uh, how many Kentucky Derbies is this for you? How long have you been covering the uh, running of the roses? This will be my third race, um, my third Kentucky Derby. But before that, I, I covered the Preakness and the Belmont. So I, I do that every year. That's, I've been to probably about seven or eight of those. How's the atmosphere been uh, so far? Because you know, for some, it's just just a horse race for the uh, the outsider. But for the uh, the sport enthusiast, much like ourselves, it's uh, very very special. What is it about the Kentucky Derby, in your opinion, that gives it so so much prestige? It's just such an event. It's a huge spectacle. There's tons of people here. Everyone's wearing hats. Everyone's wearing pink. It's Oak Day today. The Phillies are running. And it's just such a festive atmosphere. You know, everyone's having a good time. You don't see anyone not having a good time. And it's Churchill Downs. There's so much history. And 
you see the twin spires and it just you just get chills. It's it's just definitely a very unique experience and you know you're part of history when you're here. She's Melissa Hopper in New York Times covering the Kentucky Derby this weekend here joining us on Fanatic Radio. How do you know who the favorite is? Because in other sports like baseball or basketball, you know you obviously know who the best player is, stats like batting average and, and field goal percentage, but how does one I guess from a journalistic standpoint, how does one predict or could give the fans an idea of who a favorite is in horse racing? Well, uh, this year the favorite is California Chrome, and the reason he is the favorite is because he's won his last four races by a combined 24 and a quarter length. He's a really, really strong horse. He has speed, but he um, can close too, so he has a little bit of both of what you need to win the derby. You need to be able to be up with the leaders, but be able to hang back and reserve enough in the tank to actually be there at the end. And that's the problem with the derby. A lot of times these horses can't, they don't have the staying power to go that long of a distance. So that's why California Chrome is the favorite right now. Um, And then, you know, it's been kind of a little bit of a weird race after that. You know, there's California Chrome. A lot of people like Wicked Strong. But then he drew a horrible post. He drew post 20, and now he's moved up to 19 with a scratch of opportunity. And I really liked opportunity as well, but he's kind of, you know, he got scratched and he's gone. So then you kind of have a bunch of horses who are kind of bunched up in the middle, and you'll just have to pick one. So that's kind of how, kind of how it went with California Chrome. Is that your favorite to win? He, yes, I, I do like him to win still. I still think he's the best horse in this race. But as with the Derby, it's not always the best horse wins. So you, you really need the perfect trip. Um, he has a good jockey in Victor Espinosa, and I think I think he can do it, but it really just depends on how he gets out of the gate and how he gets positioned. But like I said, he's there's a lot of really fast horses in this race, and if he can be in that position, he has the speed, but he also has the closing the closing kick that you need to really kind of go into another gear and, and win. So that's why I like him. Could he have the potential to uh, to do the Triple Crown? Because it has been quite some time. First of all, why has it been so long since someone, a horse, a horse and jockey pair, has won the Triple Crown? It's just a different era. But, you know, the horses are bred for speed now. Before, they used to be bred for endurance. Horses used to race a ton before coming into the Derby. Now you really have some horses that don't even start racing until they're three years old. So it's just a different time and era. And I think, you know, there's just, there really hasn't been a horse come along that's really stood out. Um, I think Big Brown probably could have done it, but the Belmont was – it was horrible that day. It was like 100 degrees at Belmont Park. So, um, you know, you really have to have perfect, perfect luck. So I, I'm, I'm not sure. Think- if, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I can't tell you really if California Chrome can do it. I think he's kind of an. Um, he's kind of been an underdog. So I, I really. He has to have a really good race tomorrow to really think that he can pro- probably be the next Triple Crown winner. All right, she's Melissa Hopper of the New York Times. You can follow her coverage all weekend and catch the 140th Kentucky Derby live this Saturday on NBC Sports Network. Thank you once again for joining us here on Fanatic Radio. Thanks for having me. All right, the Kentucky Derby flow. It is now our time to pick.
Time for us to play uh, Derby Days here on Fanatic Radio. Last year we were unsuc- I think both of us were unsuccessful in our Derby picks. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think we were. Uh, of course, the I think the, the one who won the Kentucky Derby did not win the Triple Crown, and I believe dropped out at Belmont. Uh, yes. So or dropped out at uh, the Preakness. Yep. So no, no shot for the uh, the Triple Crown this year though. A lot of confidence in a young Colt from California. IA. Flo, do you think he will win the Derby? Yeah, as I said before our interview with our esteemed guest, yes, I do have California Chrome winning it to place or finish second, if you're not uh, familiar with the gambling jargon. I've got Intense Holiday, which is going off at 8-1. to one. It's interesting about Intense Holiday and also the horse I have I picked to show is that they are owned by uh, local Louisville owners. And local ownership has not won had a horse that won the Kentucky Derby in a century, as Pat <laughs> Forty said yesterday. But oh, it's got intense holiday uh, to uh, place and to show. I got another Louisville horse. I got Ride on Curlin, which is going off a little uh, higher odds at fifteen to one. So for those uh, unaware, basically, if the number on the left is is a, significantly larger than one. That means they are the underdogs, unlike any other. Yes. But California Chrome is five to two, so his odds are better. And not only that, the uh, we have not had a horse uh, w- win with lesser than three to one odds since uh, I believe it was Big Brown in uh, two thousand and eight. Let me uh, pull that up. Yes. Yes, I was correct. Okay, so Flo has California Chrome. I will go the opposite way and try to choose the horse with the coolest name. Oh, God. The most entertaining. Let's see. Of all the lists of Kentucky Derby Derby entries, the name Candy Boy sounds pretty interesting. Very, uh... Uh, Well, there was one one called Pablo Del Monte that that has been scratched. Sorry to hear about that. Opportunity was scratched uh, yesterday as well, and that was uh, considered to be... One of the top, uh, also one of the top tier contenders. Opportunity. That's a fun. That's a funny name. I know, right? There's one called Chitu, like the dog, the Shitsu dog. And there's there was also a uh, there's been a hashtag going on the Francesca Derby Haas names, where you come up with uh, crazy uh, names for the Kentucky Derby as if they were they came out of the mouth of Mike Francesca. All right, the horse I'm gonna pick uh, with the funniest name is Wemus Artie. Shout out to Artie Lang. So, uh, right. a, a friend of uh, Mike Francesa's. So that's our uh, Kentucky Derby Here pick. There you go. So now we're Kentucky Derby is tomorrow, or yes, yeah, tomorrow afternoon on NBC Sports Network. No, NBC. Oh, NBC coverage starts on NBC Sports Network. Yes. So you can catch all nine hours of it for the uh, the one minute race, like Flo <laughs> mentioned at the top of the uh, top of the show. We love it. You love it. Love it, yep. Love the derby. Love the hats. It's like the royal wedding, only with a horse race. And now we will now move to the, the NBA playoffs. We'll get to the uh, the Donald Sterling issues later in the show. But actually, no. A story that come up. We'll get to our NBA coverage on the second half of our segment when uh, Troy Brewer joins us on the show. But oh, how did, about that? Did you see the uh, a release in the Department of Education? 
It released a list of 55 colleges and universities that is investigating for sexual harassment assaults in uh, uh, violating Title IX regulations. I did not see that. Please tell me that our school is not on that list. Well, looking at uh, our school is not. Thank God. So American University can breathe a sigh of relief. A lot of big notables, though, including uh, Arizona State, Cal Berkeley, mm. USC, yeah. UConn. UConn's oh. up there. Uh, then you get to the locals uh, around here in D.C. Catholic University of America is on oh, the list. Boy. Uh, an interesting one that I found yesterday, Boston University. Our own Patriot League brethren uh, in their first year in the conference is now being targeted by the uh, Department of Education for uh, Title IX um, violations. Then you have some uh, some other small schools. Then you got Oklahoma State, Vanderbilt, SMU, University of Virginia. So a lot of big names and small names. Michigan and Michigan State both on that as well. Flo, what do you make of all this? Even the law school at Harvard is on this list. How do, how do you figure that? No idea. Uh, basically, uh, department the Department of Education Office for Civil Rights investigates possible violations for Title IX, and uh, the schools listed run in the spectrum in size and mission from community colleges to Ivy League schools. So, uh, Catherine Hammond, uh, Assistant Secretary for Civil Rights, uh, says that although the schools are being investigated, it does not necessarily mean that violations have occurred. They're just launching an investigation. But, Flo, should we be... Uh, Rejoice that American is not in this, but what do you make of this? Could we see some uh, further uh, surfaces bubbling up at the uh, troubles of Title IX? What's interesting with this uh, is that, uh, and I just uh, discovered, this is, a, this is a list that's been published only for the first time, publicly. It's usually, it's always been private or available upon request, but it's never been published out there publicly. So, And there are a lot of people in the civil rights community that were uh, the gender rights community as well, that were pushing for this to this list to be put out for the public, so that in order to help create a greater outrage and proof that these uh, these things are still going on today, and thus to create and help generate a bigger outcry that would hopefully lead to more direct changes. Because sometimes in the past, you could have uh, universities or schools kind of sweep it under the rug. And they don't have to deal with pressure from either uh, boosters or uh, alums or any of that. Or if they're state school, like Arizona State, for example, funding uh, from from the state. So it's it's definitely uh, an interesting list to see, and hopefully it'll lead to changes to where we can move, finally move on from these uh, situations like this going forward. Exactly. So we'll keep you posted with that with uh, with. Uh, FNAC Radio as we go forward. Uh, switching gears now, we'll go to Soccer Talk. As First off, big news in the soccer world, uh, a prestigious tournament that is in South America, basically Copa America, which is a tournament that's been dating back since, you know, yeah. very, very early 1900s. It's coming to America in 2016 in a joint partnership with um, CONCACAF, which is the governing body for North America and the Caribbean countries is decided uh, a partnership between them and, and uh, Combo, which is the South American uh, governing body, have decided to bring this tournament, the 100th anniversary, to the United States in 2016. So you have a lot of people on the fence with this, uh, Flo, because as Cobo America, it's usually South America's tournament. 
Mm-hmm. But what do you make of bringing South America's tournament to the United States? So basically, the, um, they can teams like Mexico and the United States and Canada can't compete. They obviously can't win. Yeah. But it's either are you either a on the fence of good exposure to the game of soccer, especially in America, when you're bringing stars like Neymar and Messi uh-huh. up to the United States, or are you on the uh, the soccer enthusiast side that say United States should not be touching this because we have no say in it? Well, I think it's I think it's I think you can see why they would want to do this. They want to help expand them into the biggest markets on uh, in, in the Americas, and that's in the United States. So I think that's why they want to help expand their global reach by doing it. It is kind of a little unusual that there are no United States teams in this, and that a South American tournament is playing in North America. Well, the U.S. I think the U.S. will be in it. Oh, they will. It's the U.S. Mexico because oh. teams have to qualify. Okay. Oh. They have okay. to qualify to this tournament, which is like the Gold Cup, which the United States won in 2013. Uh-huh. Uh We can qualify and play. I guess we're playing because we're hosting it anyway, but we can't win it. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. How can you play in it and not win it? Well, we're not in. It's it's Combo's tournament. It's South, South oh. America's tournament. Okay. But, we're, but so even if we win, it's just the highest finishing South American oh. team. Really. Yeah. Huh. But I mean, like the, the odds of the United States winning that tournament are very, very slim because they'll be facing teams like Brazil and Ecuador and Argentina, who are all in the World Cup. Speaking of the World Cup, uh, Sunan Jalati, the uh, president of the United States Soccer Federation, said a few weeks ago his thoughts on where the United States will finish in 2014. Men's World Cup in two months. What for you is an acceptable result for the U.S. men at the World Cup? You know, everyone wants to get through the first round. That's our first goal. And, and you're going to set our World Cup finals that first game against Ghana. So if we start well, there's no reason we can't get through the first round. Then it's a knockout competition. So get through the first round, and then we dream about more. So NBC Sports Net, uh, when they uh, did their MLS Game of the Week, uh, talked to the uh, president of U.S. Soccer, and he was saying, let's just get through the first round, and then we'll dream. Flo, as, a, uh, as, a, as someone who loves U.S. Soccer to the day he dies, That's right. uh, mixed emotions with that saying? Well, I think it is fair. I mean, if he was going to come out and say, our goal is to win the World Cup, which is probably not going to happen in our lifetimes. I think, you know, uh, having reasonable goals in something like this, especially considering we have such a tough group, in the first round and opening round play. But I think for us to come out there and, uh, you know, I think to try and play a little underdog card, I think that's a little better for us, something that we as Americans generally as a whole not used to in a lot of things, like in the Olympics or any of that jazz. But I think in this case, I think it's fair. I think it's completely fair in that to kind of temper uh, expectations just a little bit so that we're not going out there and then ultimately disappointed. Because, again, we do have what some could consider as the group of death. Yeah, and it's something that we also had in 2006. We were, uh, the United States was as highest ranked in the FIFA rankings as we ever were. We were fourth. I think we were eighth, sixth or eighth going into 2006 in Germany. And we were in a group with Ghana, ironically, as we are this year as well, uh, Czech Republic, and then eventual World Cup champions Italy. And the United States is like, oh, we are very high ranked, so it'll be good. And I do not think we won a single game in that group. We lost to Czech Republic our very first match, tied Italy, 
and embarrassingly lost to Ghana, so we were kicked out of the world, bounced out of the World Cup. Kicked out. Yeah, that's the way we. You should, can't play anymore. That's the way we should advance. Uh, in 2014, in June, is be the underdogs. Because the last time we were the underdogs was in 2002, and we ended up upsetting Portugal and making it to the round of eight quarterfinals, one of the highest the United States has ever gotten to. So we'll take a break when we come back. Troy Brewer, uh, former American University men's basketball player, will join us. We'll talk some NBA and talk some NASCAR talk as yes. the Cup Series heads to Talladega this weekend. Mm. You're listening to FNAC Radio on Block Talk Radio. Fanatic Radio. Even with the way they're playing, we could go undefeated. It's the reason you wake up on game day and put on your team's colors. Fanatic Radio on Block Talk Radio. Fanatic Radio is America's premier sports music program. It's an essential part of our society, like hot dogs and Cadillacs. With Mike Gardner and Ben Florence providing unique insight from the wide world of sports. He should just retire so he can tip him in bronze and ship him to the Hall of Fame. Playing only the hottest music. The only thing we ever play on the show is Motown and R&B. And always striving for perfection. We're climbing the ladder to success, escalator style. Yes! See for yourself. Check out Fanatic Radio only on Blog Talk Radio. down to Georgia. He was looking for a soul to steal. He was in a bind because he was way behind and he was willing to make a deal. When he came across this young man sewing on a fiddle and playing it hot and the devil jumped up on a hickory stump and said, boy, let me tell you what. I guess you didn't know it, but I'm a fiddle player too. And if you'd care to take a dare, I'll make a bet with you. Now you play pretty good fiddle, boy, but give the devil his due. I bet a fiddle of gold against your soul because I think I'm better than you. The boy said, my name's Johnny, and it might be a sin, but I'll take your bet you're going to regret, because I'm the best as ever been. Johnny, rising up your bow and play your fiddle hard, because hell broke loose in Georgia and the devil deals the cards. And if you win, you get this shiny fiddle made of gold, but if you lose, the devil gets your soul. up his case and he said I'll start this show and fire flew from his fingertips as he rolled up his bow and he pulled the bow across the strings and it made an evil hit and then a band of demons joined in and it sounded something like this Johnny said, well, you're pretty good, old son, but sit down in that chair right there and let me show you how it's done. Fire on the mountain, run, boys, run. The devil's in the house of the rising sun. Chicken in the bread pan, picking out dough. Granny does it all back, no child, no.
the devil bowed his head because he knew that he'd been beat. And he laid that golden fiddle on the ground at Johnny's feet. Johnny said, devil, just come on back if you ever want to try again. Because I told you once, you son of a gun, I'm the best that's ever been. He played fire on the mountain, run, boys, run. Devil's in the house of the rising sun. The chicken in the bread pan, the picking out dough. Granny, will you don't fight no child, no. Log Talk Radio. Back here on Fanatic Radio, BlogTalkRadio.com's premier sports music program. My gardener, Ben Florence, Melissa Hopper, joined us in the first part of the show. You can listen to that on Fanatic Radio's podcast page on iTunes. Mm. Catch it on bflow360.com or go to blogtalkradio.com slash fanaticradio to listen to hers and ours Kentucky Derby predictions. Uh, funny thing with uh, both those songs, the song of the break, Charlie Daniels Band. Absolutely. It's a good old country. And then uh, Hitting the Road, Jack, is uh, definitely what we could say to Donald Sterling. Hey, look at that. After at um, the commish, Adam Silver made this statement earlier in the week that shocked the uh, not only the basketball world, but the sporting world in general. Effective immediately, I am banning Mr. Sterling for life from any association with the Clippers organization or the NBA. Mr. Sterling may not attend any NBA games or practices. He may not be present at any Clippers facility, and he may not participate in any business or player personnel decisions involving the team. He will also be barred from attending NBA Board of Governors meetings or participating in any other league activity. I am also fining Mr. Sterling $2.5 million, the maximum amount allowed under the NBA Constitution. These funds will be donated to organizations dedicated to anti-discrimination and tolerance efforts that will be jointly selected by the NBA and its Players Association. As for Mr. Sterling's ownership interest in the Clippers, I will urge the Board of Governors to exercise its authority to force a sale of the team and will do everything in my power to ensure that that happens. Willie Flo? Uh, well, apparently uh, 
before the press conference, uh, Jim Gray, who is now apparently a uh, contributor to Fox News. You remember Jim Gray? Yes. Yeah, he was. Uh, he did NBC for a while, and he said that he spoke to Sterling, and that he said he's not going to sell. Now apparently, Sterling is going to look to sue the league ah. of, uh, to prevent that. But what I, what I, you know, th- we've talked about. Well, I mean, of course, we didn't talk about it last week because it broke the night after. But Adam Silver's only been on the job for a few months, and this was the first major test. And this was a huge test and a controversy, the likes of which we haven't seen in the NBA. Yeah, because it's more than just, you know. Absolutely. um, Like, like, the flop case or something. This is like a a battle of, like, ethics. Yeah, and this is, we haven't seen, like, a big controversy like this in the NBA since, really, since the Donaghy situation. Yeah, in terms of something that, that goes out and bleeds outside into the public domain, Absolutely. which you saw all over, you know, Good Morning America and the Absolutely. Today Show. And so one thing, I, I had a feeling we were going to see some, like, we were going to see some sort of suspension and definitely a fine. They find them the maximum that's allowed under the NBA Constitution. The one thing I was, wor- I, well, I don't know about worried about was, were they going to, because you heard rumors that they were going to try and, like, remove Sterling from ownership, like, uh, uh uh, what's the like terminate his ownership? The league take over the team and then find a buyer. I didn't think that because there there was a lot of like uh, different interpretations of the NBA Constitution. The way I interpret it, unless you interpret it from a very broad sense, that the the league did not have the power to do that. But what they're doing instead is that they're going to put all the pressure on Sterling to force a sell. And uh, I think you know the banning him from life. Brilliant idea. You saw the the outpouring of support from across the association, major support, and I think uh, for Ster- uh, for Silver, well, obviously for Sterling, it's the end of what's been a pretty miserable area era for the Clippers, because eventually he is going to sell. We have he, to, yeah. Well, or leave so much under so much pressure. Exactly, and he can't like go out. You can't obviously you can't interact. Can't go any games. Any of that. And here's the thing. He bought the team for like twenty million dollars when they're still in uh, San Diego in the uh, their very early eighties before he moved them to uh, L.A. where they became the stepchild or the stepsister, if you will, to the Lakers. He's gonna fetch. I think he's gonna fetch at least a billion dollars. There's never been an NBA franchise sold for over a billion dollars, but with that team's roster, the fact that they play in L.A. Now, as a, for at least the next couple of years, they're going to be the marquee franchise in Los Angeles. I think he's going to net a huge fortune. I think at some point he's going to go to court. He's a litigious guy. He's got no shame. We know that. That eventually he's going to get blown away with an offer, and I think eventually he will sell at some point. Yeah, we have some uh, interesting names in the pot to potentially buy the Clippers. Yeah, Oprah, we had uh... Mr. Money Team himself, Floyd Mayweather. Yeah, well, I mean, he at least has admitted that he doesn't have the money to get it himself. He's got like what, his net worth is like two hundred million dollars. We've got uh, Oprah, who would uh, be in a bid with uh, our good friend uh, Larry Ellison, who's only like the fourth or fifth most wealthy person in the world. Yeah, the guy's got a basketball court on two of his yachts. We don't even have a yacht. We don't even barely have a basketball court. Yeah, exactly. Oh, verberation. But um, but yeah. So and uh, yeah, Magic Johnson, the Guggenheim uh, partners who own the Dodgers. Uh, that uh, that Magic Johnson's part of, yeah, right. Who and, and got this whole got this whole situation and started? And it's interesting. The whole Magic Johnson thing is that he was mentioned in the tapes as his as Sterling's girlfriend, 
mistress, whatever, some degenerate, but that's ultimately irrelevant. I love when Donald Trump, like, she's she's obviously a, a terrible human being. Like, who cares? And it's like, Sterling told him to record this conversation. <laughs> anyway, well, I, as I get a little sidetracked. But uh, what was they saying? Uh, people to, to buy the Clippers. Oh, yeah, because, or because uh, Magic Johnson, he was in an Instagram picture, and uh, Sterling basically said to her, you can love uh, African-Americans, you can sleep with them, all that. Just don't bring them to my games. And don't broadcast that you associate with When the fact that this this female, this V. Stiviano, I always love people to have the uh, just the, the one letter as their first name, but that – yeah, that and she's half African American and half yeah, Latina. Yeah, so that's the one thing I find so ironic. So it's uh, well, Commissioner Silver did definitely did the right thing. Uh, big, big response and applause from uh, players and personnel around the league. Uh, nice to see that our new commish in the NBA has some onions, as Bill Rafferty would say. And needless to say, we can get back to the uh, the NBA playoffs as we are now joined. You're on the uh, the phone lines by a good friend of the show, a good friend of mine. He's a uh, former alum from American University. He used to play basketball for the great Jeff Jones. Uh, Troy Brewer joins us here on Fanatic Radio. Mr. Mr. Brewer, how are you today? I'm doing good, Mike. How are you? Doing all right. Just chilling here in the studios. What are you up to? A basketball career still going strong? Yeah, actually, I just got back from Denmark a couple of weeks ago. So um, I had a I finished up at a good year in Denmark. So now that the season's over, I'm back home. You know, I live in Maryland about uh, 30 minutes from AU, and um, I'm back home now just kind of going through the process all over again, you know, looking looking forward to continue to playing um, somewhere else uh, internationally in the, uh, when the next season starts. Uh, in Denmark, or are you going to look somewhere else uh, in Europe or anywhere else? Um, you know, to be honest with you, I'm not too sure. You know, I... Um, I don't know if I'll go back to Denmark. You know, you can't say no to anything. But, um, you know, I'm kind of open to uh, to any any opportunity, really, you know. Like I said, I have an agent who works, and he does his part to just to let me know about opportunities and stuff. But um, def- definitely, you know, I enjoyed my time in Europe, so I'd, I would definitely like to go back. So you were back here when uh, this entire Donald Sterling thing, bro. I just wanted to get what is your uh, your initial reaction on Commissioner Silver uh, banning Sterling for life? <laughs> I think he did the right thing. I mean, it's obvious that stuff. There's no room for that in the NBA, or, or I would say anywhere. So I mean, I'm glad that it happened. What do you, uh, as a player's perspective, who has the more, I guess, tender situation going forward? Uh, the guys on the Clippers, guys like Chris Paul, DeAndre Jordan. Or uh, Doc Rivers, because a lot are saying that as long as Sterling is still at least cashing, the, paying the checks, it, uh, it's just a really bad situation. But from your perspective, who has the more, um, I guess, tough road ahead in terms of continuing to be at the Clippers organization? Um, I think it would be rough for both the player and the coaches because they're still working under the Clippers organization. So you know, their performance, you know, they still have to perform and do well, and it's always going to be on their mind. So I think they're both in the same boat. What are your thoughts on the playoffs so far? Because uh, in the West, the uh, the Clippers are facing a Game 7 against the Golden State, and also your your boy Kevin Durant is uh, playing in a Game 7 as well against the Memphis Grizzlies. Has this been uh, good that the playoffs have continued to uh, go on 
And since we've only had two teams advance to the second round, that is the defending champs and, surprisingly, the Washington Wizards. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm, I mean, I'm, I've, I've been a big fan, of course, of Kevin and watching him play, and um, I'm actually excited to see how the Wizards are going to do as well. I think I think they're going to go far. I think they're going to surprise a lot of people, so I'm rooting for them for the <laughs> for the home team, I guess you could say. Were the Wizards your favorite team growing up? No, um, I really wasn't a fan of the Wizards. I always admired players they had on their team, like Gilbert Arenas. Um, that was that might have been one of my favorite players in the NBA at the time when he was playing for them. But um, you know, I never really had a favorite team. I just admired certain players, and I, I guess that's what made me follow those teams. Well, speaking of your boy Durant, uh, once as we mentioned, uh, playing in a game seven, uh, the Oklahoman uh, printed a headline the other day called him Mr. Unreliable, and to which uh, his good friend LeBron James said, quote, he's got to become a free agent one day. What are your thoughts on that uh, with, if Durant uh, possibly loses in the first round? Could he stay with Oklahoma, or should he uh, re- uh, do the decision all over again? Um. Well, you know, Based off of what the newspaper said, I didn't read the article. I just heard the headline. But, um, you know, I think that that definitely was inappropriate for them to say that. So I think it's kind of his decision, obviously. You know, he if he feels like he wants to be there or he's unwanted there, you know, no one wants to be where they feel unwanted, especially if they're performing at a level like him. So, you know, I, I would assume if he is a free agent, then – he might just seek other options if it, if it works out for his benefit. But like I said, no one wants to be where they're not appreciated. And for them to say that, then that, you know, obviously that made him feel um, unappreciated, I'm sure, or at least that it, it wasn't it wasn't um, something they should have said. He's Troy Brewer, former American University men's basketball player, killing it in Europe and played a high school teammate of Kevin Durant. Your thoughts on the American men's basketball team this year under new head coach Mike Brennan to make the tournament? Uh, how much pressure is on them to not only win the Patriot League, but possibly do ten times, pretty much ten times better than this, this next year than uh, this year? What are your thoughts on the AU men's basketball team? Um, I think, I think, of course, you know, when you when you when you have a lot of success one year, it's kind of expected, or at least that's what people are looking forward to the next year. But I just think, you know, you got to take it one year at a time. You know, um, you know. I was in Denmark while while they were in the tournament, so I was I was watching it from my computer. But from what I could see, he, he's done a great job with the team, and um, you know he they they seem to be playing at a high level. They seem to bond well and play great, and so I think he's done a, an extraordinary job, especially with um, going to the tournament and you know just performing and the success that they had in the Patriot League, winning it. And um, I think I think you know with the the nucleus of players that they have, they can continue to do well. If you were still in college, Troy, would you play for Mike Brennan in the Princeton offense, or is that not your style? Uh, <laughs> I mean, if that's the coach and that's his style, then I'm a I'm a team player, so I want to help do what he has to do to win. So if that's what, if that's what the, we're going to run, then that's what I'm going to do. So when you were over in Europe, um, best moment so far of your professional basketball career before we uh, send you out? Um... I guess the best moment I had over there was the last game that we had right before Christmas break, right before we came home. I had a 35 points, and we, we won the game 
So that was a, I felt a big accomplishment over there. Uh, I played well, the team played well, and most importantly, we got the win. And then right after that, I was I was able to fly home to see my parents for Christmas for the holiday. So that was a good experience. I remember that. All right, he's uh, former American University men's basketball player Troy Brewer joining us here on Fanatic Radio. Thank you so once again for uh, being on the program, and best of luck for your career going forward. Oh, thank you for having me. So back to our NBA playoff talk. That's right. Uh, as I mentioned in the interview, several teams facing Game 7, including the heavily favored Oklahoma City Thunder, a team that could have, uh, cha- I think you predicted to get to uh, the Western Conference Finals. No, the, the Finals. I, th- I think I did. But, uh, you know, it's interesting you say heavily favored. I don't know if they necessarily were heavily favored. I think a lot of people thought that this Oklahoma City or this Memphis team with how well they've been playing over the last few months and how strong they are defensively, had a shot. I actually picked Oklahoma City to win the series in seven games. But, you know, thus far, and Oklahoma City really needed to obviously needed to win last night. It was win or go home. And, but fortunately, they got the big win on the road for them. And really in impressive fashion, Memphis, for most of the game, never was able to get their offense going and uh, Oklahoma City came out firing. Kevin Durant played really well, and they uh, they looked very good. What are your thoughts on the uh, the Oklahoman? Uh, LeBron saying that Kevin Durant should test the free agent waters. Well, I think that well, uh, are you talking about the Oklahoman is in the cover or LeBron? Because I think well, both. Well, I think the cover was kind of ridiculous. How dare you trash your franchise? Well, not, not only that. Durant wasn't the reason why they lost. Exactly. If anything, go after Westbrook, which even then, I don't know why you're going after a player like that. But the, Durant was not the reason. Did he shoot a lot? Yes, but... His future MVP and scoring yeah. champ for like the fifth time in his career. Yeah, I mean, it was it was interesting. They were talking about it inside the NBA last night. Ken, uh, Charles Barkley set up Kenny for, Kenny will start the fire, and then I'm going to burn the whole place down. And it was a, led to an, a, an, a tremendous rant. But you're calling the guy the MVP a week ago. And now, now he's Mr. Unreliable. unreliable. You so don't do that. that. That was ridiculous. Yeah, you as, don't do that. Yeah, as to the uh, LeBron uh, telling him, I think eventually it's going to be very tough for him to stay in Oklahoma City. I think that... Especially, especially if it goes out. Exactly. In the first round of the playoffs. Exactly. I think that they'll have to be... Because, you know, you're a star player... And I know, understand that the, the talk about playing in big markets is a little overrated because everybody knows who Kevin Durant played or who he is, and he plays in Oklahoma City. It's not like he's going to become a bigger star in the United States if he plays in a big market. But I think he definitely will test the waters. Uh, it's interesting with LeBron James that I think that, that now it seems like he wants to help create these like super teams, like these few teams that have like all these star players. But if you're Durant also... Where is he going to go? I don't yeah. know where he's going to go as of right now. The Clippers. <laughs> he should do is go to the uh, the Lakers uh, for if they ever get a that, new coach because Antonio be, resigned. Exactly. And the uh, Lakers are probably going to be where uh, Kevin Love eventually ends up as well. So, or That'd be a good team. So, uh, but, it, I mean, I don't know why we're talking about him being a free agent now because it is also the playoffs. Yeah, he's still got he's still got a win. Uh, they play exactly. they play him this weekend, but other games uh, notables tonight: Houston, Portland. That is um, Houston has to win to force a game seven. 
which has been a very entertaining series. A lot of people have been ragging on James Harden mm-hmm. for his uh, lack of hustle and performance. Then we have Toronto, Brooklyn, your Nets, uh, also trying to force a game seven. Yeah. Which the winner would face the Miami Heat and uh, my Dallas Mavericks uh, fighting off elimination tonight. How about that? In Dallas, uh, game six to take on the San Antonio Spurs. Every single one of those series have been exciting. That's right. But I've all the teams in the playoffs. Tremendous, Tremendous round. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> first round. All the teams that flow. So, so much fun. As we've asked last week, uh, but we'll, we'll update it this week, uh, two teams that are on the hot seat to uh, possibly get upset or knocked out. Um, I think that, uh, looking at it, uh, I think Brooklyn, a lot of people thought they were, a, including myself, thought they would be the favorites, but the, I also felt that this was going to be a tough series because Toronto's very good. Brooklyn came out in um, game five. And they they were a train wreck. They they were down by as much I think as like twenty five. And then they they went on like a like a they went on a huge run to tie the game in the late in the fourth quarter, but they couldn't get it done. So but they're going back to Brooklyn. That's what that's happened to the Mavericks too in game that's five. Right. I think Dirk Nowitzki went off and, and like, also in game one when uh yeah they lost they blew, blew the ten point well. lead. And but I think everyone's looking at now is prime for an up uh, like a true upset, even as. They've had their well-known issues on the year, especially down the stretch, is the Indiana Indiana Pacers. Played very, pretty well last night. Uh, Atlanta went on a run to take the lead, and then Atlanta's offense completely died and down the stretch. But it's interesting. Roy Hibbert, again, was a fiasco. Yeah, he's really been... He's been... been well I don't know what happened to him. You are but he's been... And also Atlanta, with their shooters, they're forcing Indiana to play smaller lineups. But David West, David West last night was tremendous for him. But we've seen, you know, Atlanta won game one, Indiana game two. They've alternated wins. So I still, even with a nice win, I don't have any confidence in the Pacers. And I think ultimately, even in uh, at the Fieldhouse in Indianapolis, I, I still think Atlanta's going to ultimately come out on top. Bangers Life Fieldhouse. That's right. Probably uh, the Canseco Fieldhouse. Yep. But not a Jose Canseco. Uh, so the floor has Atlanta upsetting Indiana uh, in, a, in a small in a smaller series, not necessarily an upset, but a three six seed. I wouldn't be surprised if the Clippers lose in the in the, really? in the whole height of this Donald Sterling thing. As a psyche for a player, and, and Troy Brewer definitely talks about it as well. Mm-hmm. Psyche for a player and a coach that really gets to you. That's right. Because knowing that, um, well, one when it, when it when it went big mainstream news, I think that's when they actually lost to the Warriors. Uh, during the, all the protests, and they took off their you know, their their warm-ups and threw them in the middle of the, the floor at uh, Golden State Warriors Arena in uh, Oakland. Mm-hmm. Uh, ended up losing that game, and so now they have to win to advance. With, so basically, it's it, what it's what happens. You know, is it are you, uh, as a coach as Doc Rivers, uh, you're going to rally your team to continue to brush that aside, or of course in today's society. Mm-hmm. A story like this, it continues to linger over, basically until you lose. And then once it loses, that's when it just gets escalated quickly again. I would not be surprised if the Clippers lose. Because Golden State mm-hmm. has everything in their advantage uh, in terms of, of shooting the ball. They've done extremely well considering the first few games when they went ice cold at Clay Thompson and Steph Curry. Even without Andrew Bogut, they've done a nice job. It's, uh, I would not be surprised if the Clippers lose. Another upset... Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Oklahoma City lost as well. Mm-hmm. 
Because Memphis is a very good team. Zach Randolph. Are. Zach Randolph is such a workhorse. And not only that, they're, they're so much uh, stronger uh, down low. And usually that wins you tight Ex- playoff games. Exactly. The Thunder only have uh, a Baca that's any sort of an offensive threat down the paint. Kendrick Perkins is basically uh, a uh, grit, guts and grit kind of guy at this point. That he's really got no game. He's just old. Except for maybe throwing a Bowie or an there, being an enforcer. But, yeah, Memphis is a very good team. Uh, Conley's played really well. And if they're, the thing with them is they're, if their offense gets going, that's a tough team for real, a lot of teams to play, particularly even as they are a seven seed. Yeah, and uh, shooting-wise, uh, I guess not shooting-wise, defensively, Tayshaun Prince. Yeah, how about that? It's been a nice job on Kevin Durant. The I mean, Prince. Kevin Durant has pretty much been – He's been around for so long. Exactly, uh, but uh, a couple of shout-outs before we end the show. We'll stay with NBA news. Uh, I want to I want to give a big round of applause to the Washington Wizards. How about that? Uh, advancing to the they second, great. Advancing to the second. I think the first time since '05, <laughs> and then after that was the first time they've won. A, it's only three times they've won the playoff series since like the '60s and '70s. Mm-hmm. So congrats to your boy Randy Whitman and the Wizards. And if Atlanta does happen to beat the Pacers, this team could pretty much go to the Eastern Conference Finals. I agree, Finals. and I think even if Indiana wins, I think Washington. They've played considering how bad Indiana's been playing this year. They've been playing very good basketball. The team across the board, John Wall and Brad Beal are so much fun to watch, and they're really good players. John Wall has really stepped up and become the kind of franchise player everyone thought he was going to be when he was drafted number one overall. Bradley Beal's been tremendous, and uh, the front court. Um, uh, Gortat. Gortat and Nay. And Nay Nay. The thing about Nay Nay, he's always been like one of those disappointing guys, like a good player, but could he be a great player? But he's really been, he's bad, save for that dumb, uh, when he got thrown out of the game. And yeah, the headbutt. Which was stupid on this part, and then cost the team the next game. But, no, I think they won. Or though they lost the game. He was, oh, no. They, they lost the game he was thrown out of. Yep. And then they ended up actually, actually winning the next game, game so, five, yeah. Yeah, good team. Uh, Randy Whitman, uh, has actually done a good job thus far. I mean, he's still a terrible coach, but alas. Uh, I'll hold off on most of my uh, Whitman rants for, for now. To when they get eliminated. That's right. Who knows when that will be. Uh, finally, uh, your thoughts on D'Antoni leaving the Lakers. Who's next uh, to fill the job? You know, it's interesting. Uh, it's, it's, not a, it's a desirable job that, that is the Lakers. The roster's a mess. It's a curse. And it's going to, for the next couple of years, it's not going to be very good. But they're trying to get high-profile. Uh, high Could they get Steve Kerr, who everyone thinks he's going to go to the Knicks? Uh, people th- uh, think that they, uh, they're they going to try and go after Tom Thibodeau. Ah. Maybe trade a first-round pick, similar to like a Doc Rivers deal. Um <laughs> Oh, all right.